Hi, welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie, and I'm finally getting back in the swing of things after the holidays. I hope the sound quality is okay today. I am re-recording this episode on a Saturday, so there's a lot of children playing around outside, um, which is very nice, except um, they're a little bit loud. But uh, I somebody changed the settings on the microphone and didn't change them back. Um, and I'm pretty sure, actually... 100% certain that somebody was me. Anyway, so the audio was so horrible, I am redoing this episode. Uh, I'm here today with a story that was one of my very favorites when I was a kid, and I'm not really sure what my kids are going to make of it, but I am excited to tell it and hear their reactions. I'd like to hear your reactions too. So find the podcast pages on Facebook or Twitter later if you have anything you want to share. Um, Today, I'm telling the story of Elijah the prophet calling down fire from heaven and seriously owning some rival prophets. Once upon a time, in the middle of a long story about God and his people, generations after the time of David, after the kingdom of Israel split in two again, kings who were the sons of sons of David still ruled Judah, but many different men had ruled Israel and they were mostly evil, according to what the Bible considers evil. And then along came a king who made all the previous kings evil look like they were trivial and silly because he was so evil by contrast, and his name was Ahab. Now, when I tell you what King Ahab's evil deeds were, you might be a bit disappointed, because it's not really actually that interesting to kids who don't accept that one god is better than other gods. But don't worry, it gets more overtly evil later. What Ahab did was this. He married a woman named Jezebel. Gasp! Who was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians. (gasps) Gasp! That's, like, not part of Israel, so that was pretty bad. That was considered bad. And uh, Jezebel didn't love the Lord God. She loved a different God called Baal. Now, you might remember the name Baal if you listen to the ep- to the Gideon episode. Um, that's the God whose altar Gideon destroyed so that the Lord God would help him, help him save Israel from the Midianites. This is, like, many generations later. And God is still competing with Baal. Of course, the Bible points out frequently that Baal never actually acts. He doesn't file a formal complaint against Gideon for destroying the altar. And in this story, he doesn't act either. So that makes this a really one-sided competition for God, since he's the only God actually fighting in this competition. And yet, he keeps losing the competition for people's hearts. Baal's followers are just really dedicated, I guess. That's like good advertisement. So the people still want to worship Baal instead of God, or at least at the same time as God, and that makes God really jealous. I think he needs to work on his PR. Um, so that's kind of what this story is about. King Ahab follows his wife Jezebel in worshiping Baal, and then Ahab builds this whole temple to Baal and an altar to Baal, and he sets up an Asherah pole to worship the goddess Asherah, who is a different god, or goddess, a lady god in this case, whom the Lord God keeps competing with. So Ahab got lots of other people to worship Baal with him, which is considered bad because Israel's only supposed to follow the Lord God, so this was treason and betrayal, and the Bible says that Ahab did more to make the Lord God angry than all the kings of Israel that had come before him, which is saying something, because the Lord God had been pretty testy about the whole Baal situation for a while here. Now, that's all the setup. We started with the villains of the story today, the villains being Ahab and his wife Jezebel, if that wasn't clear. And God is really good and angry this time. So the Lord God sends a message to Elijah, who we haven't met yet. And Elijah goes to Ahab to give this message, which makes Elijah the new prophet, the person who speaks on behalf of God. He said, as the Lord God of Israel lives, he's using like the full title here for emphasis and clarity. 
As the Lord God of Israel lives, I stand before him, and there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then Elijah suddenly got a message from the Lord, like a text, but just straight to his mind. Leave here, go east, and hide yourself at the Wadi Cherith, where it feeds into the Jordan River. Now, a Wadi is sort of what we call a creek where I'm from, or a crick, or a wet weather crick. It has running water during wet seasons, but it dries up when there's been no rain for a while. So Elijah left and lived by this creek near the Jordan, and every day at morning and every day at night, he was fed by ravens. You know, those intelligent big blackbirds that are like big crows. They fed him twice a day, and he drank from the creek, but after a while, it dried up because there was no rain, just like Elijah had said. Just a second. Because of the drought and because Elijah needs water to live, God told Elijah to go live with this one widow. And Elijah asked her for food, but she told him she only had enough flour and oil to make one more loaf of bread. Um, And because, I guess, famine was starting now, she was thinking she wasn't going to be able to survive much longer. So she was planning to make this one last loaf of bread for her son and herself and then die. And Elijah's like, whoa, that's really dark. So he's like, go ahead and make the bread, only make me some first, and then make some for you, and then don't die, because the Lord promises that your flour jar is not going to become empty, and your bottle of oil is not going to go dry until the Lord sends rain. So the widow made Elijah the bread, and she found that there was still enough flour to make more bread to feed herself and her son, and they didn't run out of flour or oil the whole time, just like Elijah had said. Then, sometime later, the widow's son became very sick, and died. And the Bible says there was no breath in him. And she was like really upset, obviously, because her son has died. And she thinks maybe it's because Elijah was there bringing God's attention. And God was paying extra attention to her house. And he saw her and God thought she was sinning. And then God killed her son. I told you God really needs to work on his PR here. He needs to work on his public image. So Elijah, um, he's not really sure what to think, but he's upset with God because he's like, You've brought tragedy to the woman who's helping me. I'm staying at her house and you've killed her son. And then he laid on top of the boy and got up. Um, and he laid on top of him and got up. And he laid on top of him and got up. And then he cried out, begging God to let the boy's life return to him. And then he suddenly started breathing again. The boy did. So Elijah took them, the boy to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. And then the mom is like really happy and also amazed And she said, I know you're the man of God and the Lord's words that you say are true. And if you think I told some of this story on the podcast before, it's probably because the story of Elisha, who comes after Elijah, hits a lot of the same beats. It's like Elijah, the remix version. So I told some of Elisha's story in episode six. Now we're going to jump back to King Ahab. Here comes some of the actually bad stuff that he did. Well, that he let happen. He doesn't actually do a lot. So his wife Jezebel, using her authority as the queen, killed all of the Lord's prophets, like hundreds of people, except for a hundred that a man called Obadiah was hiding in a cave and feeding in secret. Elijah didn't know about that, though. He thought he was the last one of the Lord's prophets left alive. And then it came time for Elijah, as far as anyone knew, the last living prophet of the Lord, to appear before the king, whose wife was killing all the Lord's prophets. Maybe sounds a little dangerous. If you wonder why I keep saying the Lord's prophets, it's because the Lord wasn't the only God with prophets. Baal, the Lord's competitor, was another God people believed in, and he had a lot of prophets. 
that's going to be relevant in a minute. So he has he has all these people who are telling people what Baal's will is and trying to tell the future for Baal. Um, so the Lord tells Elijah to appear to Ahab and announce that the Lord was going to send rain. The famine was severe by now because of the drought. The time without rain had become so bad and it lasted so long that there wasn't much food growing anywhere. There wasn't grass for the cattle to eat. There wasn't rain for the wheat to grow for the people to eat. So there wasn't much food. That's what famine means. Um, and you remember last time Elijah saw Ahab, Elijah said there'd be no rain, and now there's no rain, and there's famine. So Ahab is really mad at Elijah, and when he sees him, he's like, is that you, you troublemaker? But Elijah says, I haven't made the trouble, you made the trouble. You abandoned the Lord's commands and followed Baal. Now, summon the people from all over Israel and meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. So Ahab didn't kill Elijah right there on sight, and he did what Elijah said, and he sent word throughout the country and assembled everyone on the mountain. Elijah addressed everyone. How long will you waver between two opinions? You need to pick one. If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him. But the people didn't say anything at all. They just stayed quiet. Then Elijah said, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So he proposed a test. They'd each get a bull and they'd kill it to make an offering. Usually you'd burn the offering of meat. But Elijah said they should prepare the animal and put it on the wood, but not set any fire. And he would do that too. And they would take turns asking their God to accept the offering. And whichever God answered by sending fire, that was the real God. And the people were like, yeah, that sounds good. So Elijah told the prophets of Baal to go first, since there's so many of them. And they all gathered around and they, they prepared the offering and put it on the wood and, and put it on the altar. And they shouted, Baal, answer us. Uh, but no one answered. And they danced around the altar they'd made. And after several hours of shouting and dancing, Elijah began to taunt them. Now, my kids pointed out this sounded mean. But when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was taught that those prophets were very clearly the bad guys. And they were lying on purpose and they knew they were teaching the people lies. And in that case, Elijah's taunts and mockery sounded like really clever burns. It's not actually remotely clear in the text that the prophets of Baal were intentionally lying or lying at all. The issue is just that it's the wrong God and Elijah has the right God. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's an aside. So uh, nothing happened by noon. And Elijah began to mock them saying, shout louder. Surely he's really a God and this should be easy for him. Maybe he's concentrating on something else. You should try harder to get his attention. Maybe he's gone on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. You better be louder if you want to wake him up. So they shouted longer and louder and they cut themselves with spears. This was apparently some sort of tradition and rituals. And they, they danced frantically and they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And then it was evening. They had been trying to get an answer from Baal all day long, from sunup to almost sundown. And then Elijah said, my turn. And everyone came to him and they watched as he repaired the altar to the Lord, which had been torn down. He carefully placed each stone and built the altar. Um, and then he dug a trench around the altar, like a little moat that could hold quite a bit of water. And then he arranged the wood and then he arranged the meat on the wood and he didn't light any fire. And he didn't ask God for fire yet. Instead, he said to the people, fill four large jars with water and pour it on top of the offering and the wood. So they did. Do it again, he said. So they did. Do it again, he said. So they did. 
12 jars full of water in total until the meat was wet, the wood was wet, the stones of the altar were wet, the dirt beneath them was wet, and the trench around the altar was completely full of water. Then the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed out loud, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that you are God and that I am your servant. Answer me so everyone knows and their hearts will follow you again. And then fire came down from heaven, not just a tiny spark, but enough fire to catch the wood on fire, burn up all the offering, and boil away all the water. And when all the people saw it, they were terrified, and they fell on their faces and said, the Lord is God. And then Elijah's like, don't just sit there being terrified. You've got to help me now. So he told them to grab all the prophets of Baal, who were now proved to have been false prophets because their God didn't do anything. Um, and so they captured all the prophets of Baal, and then Elijah killed all of them. And um, in the story, you're supposed to be like really sad when all the prophets of Israel die, and you're supposed to be happy when the prophets of Baal die, which maybe seems hypocritical, but um, that's how the story goes. And then uh, Elijah said to Ahab there was going to be rain, and then he went back up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he prayed, and he told his servant, um, apparently he has a servant who wasn't mentioned earlier, he told his servant to look toward the sea, and so the servant went and looked toward the sea and came back. There is nothing. So seven times Elijah said, go back and check again. And seven times the servant returned. Well, six times the servant returned and said, there's nothing. But on the seventh time, the servant came back and said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming up from the sea. And that is what Elijah was waiting for. Elijah told the servant to tell King Ahab, get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. Uh, and in a little while, it got windy, and the sky got dark with clouds, and it began to pour. So Ahab got into his chariot and went back to his home in Jezreel. But the power of the Lord was on Elijah, so he tucked his robe into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariots to get there first. So pretty darn fast. And when Ahab got back, he told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done, about the miracle, and mostly that Elijah had killed all of her friends, the prophets. So she sent a message threatening to kill Elijah, so he ran away. He ran a whole day's journey away and sat down under a tree in the wilderness and prayed that he would die because he was just really done. And then he fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel touched him and told him to get up and eat, and he saw there was a freshly baked loaf of bread and a jug of water, so he ate the bread and he drank the water, and then he went back to sleep. And then the angel came and woke him up again and told him to eat some more, and then... Um, on the strength from that food, he walked for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached the mountains of God, or the mountain of God. Uh, that is a heck of a loaf of bread. And then he spent the night in, in a cave in the mountain. And the word of the Lord came to him, like, you know, just disembodied words, and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God, but the Israelites have abandoned your rules and torn down your altars and killed your prophets, and now they're going to kill me, and I am the last one. It's not exactly in the text, but I feel like Elijah's thinking, I've been doing a lot of work, but what exactly have you been up to, Lord God? And the Lord said, go stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. Um, and a great and mighty whirlwind was tearing at the mountains and shattering cliffs, but the Lord was not in the whirlwind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake shaking the mountain, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a roaring fire, 
but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the earthquake, there was a still, small voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard that, he wrapped his cloak around his face and stood at the entrance of the cave, because he knew that was the Lord's presence. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said the exact same thing he said earlier. I have been very zealous for the Lord God, but the Israelites have abandoned your rules and torn down your altars and killed your prophets, and now they're going to kill me, and I'm the last one. And then the Lord said, Go and return. And he gave him all these instructions. He told him to anoint a new king, and he told him to appoint a man called Elisha as prophet to be next after him. Um, and then he told them that him and the new king and Elisha were going to kill everyone who had ever worshipped Baal, but the story kind of glosses over that bit, and you don't actually see it happen. Because um, the happy ending is supposed to be the people who were left alive who had never worshipped Baal, which is like going to be 7,000 people, which isn't really a lot of people. But I think the Lord God is using hyperbole here to express how many people had, had worshipped Baal. Um, so hyperbole is when you exaggerate something for effect. And the other part of the happy ending of this story is that God tells Elijah he's about to meet Elisha, the man who will be the prophet after Elijah. So when Elijah does die, there will still be a prophet. Of course, Elijah doesn't exactly ever die. Um, I'll tell that story next week, the, the story of him not dying. Um, it actually is a story, but um, come back uh, in one week. I'll tell some more of the evil King Ahab's misadventures and the end of the adventures of Elijah and the beginning of the adventures of Elisha. Thanks for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child.